0: Because of God's incredible goodness, we are blessed beyond imagination. Today, we explore the blessings of real and lasting satisfaction from God. We also look at God's justice for the oppressed and personally knowing Him. It's all coming up next on Daily in Christ. Welcome once again to the Daily in Christ podcast. I'm Mark Fanus. I count it a great privilege that you have taken time to listen to the Daily in Christ podcast. And I really mean that. This ministry would not be necessary if there wasn't folks like you who take the time to listen. And I know, dear listening friend, that you, like I, want to know God in a deeper way. You want to know him personally in a more significant way. And you want to experience his goodness. Well, we have been in a wonderful series called Blessed Beyond Imagination. And that title is not an overstatement. You see, God is so incredibly good. He blesses us abundantly even beyond what we can conceive or think of, even beyond imagination, precisely because of his infinite goodness and greatness. A theme verse has been Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, which says this, "'Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ.'" All throughout the Bible, from the book of Genesis all the way through the Revelation, we can see this blessing God. And we have been in the Old Testament for the really for quite a good chunk of this series so far in Psalm 103. Now, this is not a comprehensive read of all the blessings of God. If we were to do that, that would take a long time. Did you know, for instance, that there are thousands of verses, thousands, excuse me, not verses, but thousands of of, of promises that are listed throughout the word of God. Thousands, each one of those promises is a blessing from God. But Psalm 103 traces some of the rich treasury of the blessings and the benefits of God. And Psalm 103 launches with bless the Lord verse two oh my soul and forget not all his benefits this verse psalm 103 verse two is a mirror sort of verse of what we see over in ephesians chapter one verse three that says blessed be the god and father of our lord jesus christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in christ you know we may think that that Delving into the blessings of God can be a bit of a selfish exercise, but that's not the case in God's mind. You see, without the blessing of God, we're nothing. And so our lives depend upon God's goodness. It depends upon God's blessings. Now, last time on the Daily in Christ podcast, by the way, that was one of the best Daily in Christ podcasts Ever and uh, I, I, I'm not trying to toot my own horn, but we explored the great riches of God's redemption. And anybody who has read the Bible for any length of time knows that the subject of God's redemption is key. It's a big, fantastic theme in the Bible. One of the high mountaintops throughout the whole range and landscape of the Scriptures. And we explored the riches of God's redemption. He purchased us by his blood. That means that we are paid in full. And God, that redemption has two aspects. A rescuing from darkness, sin, self, Satan, and the curse. And the second thing or the second aspect about this redemption, this purchasing by god is that we're purchased to god himself so that we belong to him and that is an incredible thing because that brings us into relationship and all the good of god also it means that god is responsible for us right we are supposed to take care of the things we own right well god's not deadbeat he's not irresponsible he does take care of us and we are also redeemed, bought to God himself, and were brought into his blessings. So that last episode, episode number 74 in our Daily in Christ uh, listing of episodes is a must hear episode. Uh, if you haven't a chance to hear it, you got to hear it, stop by our website at org, or uh, check out the usual uh, resources that are available for podcasting as well. Well, today, back to Psalm 103 verses 5 through 7, and we will be exploring through these verses real and lasting satisfaction, the blessing of God's satisfaction, and also the blessing of God's justice for the oppressed, and thirdly, the blessing of knowing Him. Now, we're going to get into the word in just a moment, but let's go first to the God of the word, relying upon the Holy Spirit to bring that supernatural revelation and illumination that we may know him better. Let's pray. Father, you are so good. And Lord, your blessing is the outpouring of your goodness, of your good heart. And Father, I thank you for that. Thank you, Lord, that we are not left to guess about these things, but you have revealed them to us through the scripture. You have revealed them to us through the word, the Lord Jesus Christ. And Father, as we get into this time of studying the Holy Scripture, again, Lord, we don't rely upon our human ability, human understanding, human senses to get this. But Lord, we are fully dependent upon you to bring revelation and illumination that we may know you better. Thank you, Lord. May we get a a, a deeper glimpse of your good heart. May we get a, a deeper understanding of your blessings and specifically the blessing of being satisfied by you. The blessing of justice when we are oppressed and the blessing of personally knowing you in Jesus name. Amen. Well, let's go ahead and read these three verses from Psalm 103 verses five through seven. Got your Bible? Let's go ahead and read. Speaking of God who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle's. The Lord executes righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the children of Israel. Well, that's our text for today in Psalm 103 verses 5 through 7. First of all, let's dig into the blessings that we see in verse 5. This God who satisfies our mouth with good things so that our youth is renewed like the eagles. I'm going to read this in the Amplified because it captures the nuances of the Hebrew that, that may not be very clear in a sort of a straight English translation. Here's what the Amplified says. It says, who satisfies your mouth, and parenthetically it adds, your necessity and desire at your personal age and situation that's good with good so that your youth renewed is like the eagles strong overcoming soaring wow that's the amplified and and doesn't that unpack so much do you get that idea i like how it and i looked at the hebrew and this is not an exaggeration of um what is written here in Psalm 103, when it says satisfies your mouth and the amplified brings out the Hebrew, your necessity and desire at your personal age and situation. God meets us at every stage of our lives. And it doesn't matter whether we are very young, like a child, or we're a teenager or we're a young adult, or we're middle-aged, or even old age, even at end of life. Our God, who is so good, blesses us beyond imagination at every stage, meeting us not only in our necessities, but also our desires as well. God is the one who truly and really only can satisfy and truly fulfill us with good things. As opposed to the world, the flesh and the devil, you know, they all promise satisfaction, right? Yeah, drink this and boy, you're going to, it's going to satisfy you or, or you see commercials all the time and they're advertising a car or food or uh, exotic vacation and behind it is satisfaction. I don't deny the fact that there is a type of satisfaction that happens with a new car or a nice vacation or a good five-star meal. Those are wonderful things. But ultimately, the car gets old and ends up in a trash heap. And maybe the budget gets short and we can't afford to go to that exotic place. Or or maybe again, a a budget is short and we can't afford a five-star restaurant. You see, the things of this world are temporary, but what comes from God is eternal. And we're gonna dig into this a little bit more, this idea that God is the one who blesses us and satisfies us and truly fulfills us. But the world, like the old Rolling Stones song, I can't get no satisfaction. That's true. Um, King Solomon, he found this out the hard way. Remember King Solomon, the the son of David? Probably throughout the history of all mankind was the richest man. I mean, this guy had it made. He had as much money as he wanted. He had as much pleasure as he wanted he had as much food everything he he was he just had it all and yet having journeyed down the road of everything that this world could possibly give you here's his assessment of that in ecclesiastes chapter 2 verses 9 through 11 he, he says this so i became great and excelled more than all who were before me in jerusalem Also, my wisdom remained with me. Whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I did not withhold my heart from any pleasure. For my heart rejoiced in all my labor, and this was my reward from all my labor. I want to stop right there. The guy worked hard. He was a king, he had matters of state, and he kind of thought, you know what? I deserve whatever. I deserve whatever money can buy. I can deserve whatever pleasure, whether it be of the taste buds or sexually or whatever. He could get it. And his justification was, I work hard. I, I deserve any pleasure. And he says, I did not withhold my heart from any pleasure. But look at the end of this thing. From the richest man, in the history of the earth, who could afford anything, this was his assessment of things. Verse 11, then I looked on all the works that my hands had done and on the labor in which I had toiled. Listen to this. And indeed, all was vanity and grasping for the wind. There was no profit under the sun. Now this idea of under the sun means in this world. And and I like that word picture grasping after the wind. Can you grab a hold of the wind? I mean the wind is around, it's moving, it's blowing, but you try to hold on to it, you can't. He equated the things of this world, the labors of this world, the toiling of this world and uh you know what? I deserve a break today of the world and said, "It is vanity, literally empty." So take it from the man who had it all in this life, who said, folks, at the end of the road, this is a dead-end road. You see, the pleasures of this world, so-called pleasures, lead to temporary fleeting satisfaction, leaving a person craving, even addicted to needing more. The pleasures of this world lead to misery, premature aging, disease, disease and death. (laughs) What a bargain. Meantime, there is the blessing of the good things from the Lord, from the Lord who truly satisfies us. Jesus spoke about this on the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter five, verse six. He says this, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they shall be Filled, And the idea of the word filled there means satisfied. You know, you could eat at the world's best restaurant, eating the best food imaginable. But a few hours later, you're going to be hungry. It doesn't fill you for any length, great length of time. How about this? Psalm 36 uh, verses 7 through 9. The psalmist says this, How precious is your loving kindness, O God. Therefore, the children of men put their trust under the shadow of your wings. Wow, that speaks of God's protection, God's care. Verse 8: They are abundantly satisfied with fullness of your house, and you give them drink from the river of your pleasures. For with you is the fountain of life. In your light, we see light. Psalm 36, verses seven through nine. Man, all of that is over the top. You know, we're abundantly satisfied with the fullness of God's house. We're talking about the King of Kings, the Lord of the universe and universes beyond. God doesn't look at his bank account and go, uh-oh, got to watch it. I might bounce a check. No, he is he is all in all we are abundantly satisfied not just satisfied but the idea of abundance is full and running over and you give them drink from the river of pleasures oh, the devil might tempt you with saying yo you're gonna have a river of pleasure and it's just a a trickle in the middle of a desert. No, God is the one who abundantly satisfies us and causes us to drink from the rivers of his pleasure. I was just thinking, God is the one who invented the tongue, right? And in the tongue, we have the ability to taste food. God is the one who designed us to enjoy pleasure by eating tasting the flavors of food god has given us the ability to look and see the beauty of a flower or a mountain or a sunset god has given us different capacities to um, enjoy pleasure he's the one who created those capacities even something like sexual pleasure and god means to satisfy us you notice it says, with the fullness of your house. You know, as we're um, living life in that place of God, in the safety and security of his house, we are abundantly satisfied. And look at this. For with you is the fountain of life. Fountain of life. We're going to look at uh, Jesus talking to the or mention Jesus uh, speaking to the woman at the well. Actually, let's go ahead and look at that right now. Remember, Jesus met a woman at the well, and he was thirsty, and she gave some water to him from Jacob's well. And he said, you know, whoever, this is John 4, verse 14. He says, but whoever... You know, he he points out that you drink this water, it satisfies you for a little bit, but then you're thirsty again. But he says, Whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst, but the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. This is the God who satisfies and he met a woman who had gone from relationship to relationship to relationship obviously not satisfied and here is jesus saying i can bring you something that will deeply satisfy you not just temporarily for a little bit but forever psalm 16 verse 11 says this you show me the path of life in your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore that's Psalm 16 verse 11. And then there's this in uh, Psalm 63 verse 5, my soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness, and my mouth shall praise you with joyful lips. Do you see that we can enjoy the blessings of God satisfying us, the Lord satisfies us with good things, truly good things that bring life, that bring wholeness, that bring peace, even in the midst of tumultuous situations. That's the blessing from God. Uh, it, It satisfies us. It fills us so that we're not left hungry or even worse, addicted for more. Meantime, the world, the flesh, and the devil all lie to us and, and tell us that God means to deprive us of good things. He even did that to our first parents in the garden long ago, Adam and Eve. Did God really say you cannot eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? But that is not the case. God is not trying to deprive us of good things. Jesus said it so well in one verse, John 10 verse 10 quoting Jesus he says the thief satan does not come except to steal and to kill and to, to destroy oh what a what a bargain right all the devil's wares lead us to things where his agenda is bad in our lives stealing from us killing us and destroying us meantime Jesus comes that we may have life and that more abundantly again overflowing hey don't be duped by the devil the devil is bad god is good and i want to bring up that verse this one of my it's sort of a signature verse for my life it, it brought me into being born again one of the key things and that is psalm 34 verse 8 oh taste and see that the lord is good blessed is the man who trusts in him psalm 34 verse 8 i gotta move along uh, let's go to psalm 103 verse 6 the lord executes righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed you know across the world today many people i mean by the millions live under oppressive regimes governments and dictatorships maybe friend that's the situation you find yourself in where you live folks like this have been done a great wrong and great injustice and some of them have even witnessed their loved ones being brutally murdered by madmen when I see the atrocities that are going on in the world, when I see the suffering of my fellow human beings, my heart is moved and my heart cry for them is for righteousness and justice. That's their heart cry. Because what's going on to the oppressed is wrong. They want righteousness. They want what is right. And their heart cries for justice. And it's not because... They want to get even to those bad people. If you've ever faced someone who has done wrong to you, more than anything, you want to prevent them from doing such a terrible thing like what happened to you, to anybody else. And that's really at the core of justice. It's setting the wrong right so that good may result. And one of the blessings from God is that he executes righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. Psalm 72 verse 12 says this, for he will deliver the needy when he cries, the poor also and him who has no helper. Psalm 72 verse 12. Mm. How about this? Psalm 146 verse 7 God is the one who executes justice for the oppressed, who gives food to the hungry. The Lord gives freedom to the prisoners. Psalm 146, verse seven. I thought about freedom for the prisoners. And in North Korea, talk about an oppressive regime. There have been people who enjoy freedoms in other places, maybe in America, who, were, who have been arrested recently in North Korea for exercising the very God-given freedom in that place. And for that, they are oppressed and thrown into miserable prison conditions. God is the one who gives freedom to the prisoners. God is the one who executes righteousness and justice. And God triumphs over evil. Listen to this from Psalm 37, verses 9 through 15. This is the larger perspective. And I realize that when we go through oppressive situations, when someone is doing wrong to us, we want it fixed now. But invariably, justice takes time. And it says this, but let me just say this. Though it might take time for justice to be executed, justice will certainly be executed by God. Psalm 37, beginning in verse nine, for evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait upon the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. See that blessing? For yet a little while, and the wicked shall be no more. Indeed, you will look carefully for his place but it shall be no more. But the meek shall inherit the earth and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. The wicked plots against the just and gnashes at him with his teeth. The Lord laughs at him, for he sees that his day is coming. The wicked have drawn the sword and have bent their bow to cast down the poor and the needy, to slay those who are of upright conduct. Their sword shall enter their own heart and their bows shall be broken. That's in Psalm 37 verses nine through 15. And then over in um, Psalm 73, Psalm 73 verses 18 and 19, here's the destiny of the wicked. Surely you, God, set them in slippery places. You cast them down to destruction. Oh, how they are brought to desolation as in a moment. They are utterly consumed with terrors. Psalm 73 verses 18 through 19. I think about Adolf Hitler, one of history's most despicable men a diabolically demonically driven wicked man millions of innocent people died through his treachery and it looked like the world would never be rid of hitler or nazism but his end came swiftly in berlin as the allied troops were pounding the city with uh, munitions And eventually, they found the bunker where Adolf Hitler was hidden and bombed it. He was blown to smithereens. That was his quick end. And that spelled the end of the Nazi regime in Germany. How about uh, Saddam Hussein, who had done incredible atrocities, even against his own people? His sons were entertained watching people being cut up, destroyed, crushed. And when he was found, he was found like a rat burrowing in a hole, miserable, despicable, and he was hung by his own people, justice. Yes, God brings the blessing of justice. The oppressed are blessed with God's righteousness and justice. Pray, for that in the earth today pray for God's justice and righteousness to prevail as it will and pray about specific situations if there are things that are going on in the news instead of sitting there and stewing about what fretting about what's going on when it comes to the wicked pray about the situation get A godly perspective on the thing stop listening to the endless torrent of bad news on the news and get into the good news of the lord as a matter of fact when i am oppressed when i am distressed about the ungodliness and wickedness of this world and i'm finding myself fretting and kind of getting caught up with the spirit of the age i have a biblical uh, prescription from the lord really and i I require myself to sit down and read. And I just read portions from these two Psalms. It's easy to remember. Psalm 37 and Psalm 73. They're powerful Psalms that bring out the longer term picture. It's sort of like a zoom out. You know, when we're in the midst of distressing situation, evil seems so big and impenetrable and, you know, indomitable something that can't be defeated and stopped. But if you zoom out via the Lord's perspective through the word of God, you see that that, that destruction is heading their way. And as it says there in Psalm 73, uh, God puts them on slippery paths. It's it's like they they're walking and all of a sudden they slip and fall and they fall irrevocably to destruction. Now that doesn't mean that the believer doesn't pray for that wicked person come to salvation my first prayer is that that person would get saved they are operating by the spirit of satan who is operating inside of them because they are lost they are children of wrath and they need salvation they need to be born again i need to move on psalm 103 verse 7 another blessing of god he made known his ways to moses his acts to the children of Israel. God himself made known his ways to Moses. Now note that it was God who was the one who made himself known and his ways known to Moses, not the other way around. It wasn't because Moses was so smart and figured God out. Moses didn't do it. God was the one who made himself known to Moses who made his ways known to Moses not because Moses was so great and so righteous and so worthy but because God is good and God himself is relational he wants to enter into personal firsthand relationship with you my friend and with me God made himself known and his ways known to Moses because he brings us into his incredible plans and purposes. You say, well, I don't know of any incredible plans or purposes for my life. Oh, really? Read the end of the Gospel of Matthew and you'll see the Great Commission where God charges every believer to go into the world and preach the gospel to every creature to make disciples of the nations. That's not a task for the ministerial profession. No, it's for every believer. God does bring us into his incredible plans and purposes. Do you know that in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it says that we are new creations in Christ? And it says this that we are therefore 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 18. I'm going to go ahead and look this up right now. Now, all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. That's not just for a few spiritual elites. It is for every person in christ the connection is from second corinthians five seventeen. 17 that says therefore if anyone is in christ he or she is a new creation now watch this verse 20 second corinthians chapter 5 verse 20 now then we are ambassadors for christ as though god were pleading through us we implore you on christ's behalf be reconciled to god For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Think about it. God has made us new creations, those of us who have been born again by the grace of God through faith in Christ, new creations. And he's given us a noble task to share this message of reconciliation with the world we are his ambassadors what is an ambassador an ambassador is a representative of a king in a foreign land that's who we are reminds me of a situation a number of years ago i was talking to a young man who was in the construction trades and he felt a little bit like and i was involved in christian broadcasting he said you know compared to a guy like you i'm just like nothing i said that is not true I said, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.20, that we are all his ambassadors. And I thank God that he has an ambassador in the field of construction in you. You have a noble purpose from the king. You represent the king. Wherever that hammer is swinging on the job or the saw is going or whatever else is going on in the trade of construction. And he smiled and he said, thank you. I really needed to hear that. See, God in his brilliance has got doctors and teachers and janitors and floor refinishers and uh, people in retail, cashier and clerks, bankers, you name it, scientists, professors. They are his ambassadors and God beautifully places them where the lost are out in the world in those different places. God is the one who brings us into his incredible plans and purposes. He doesn't leave us out. And God did that with Moses. Moses was in the desert. He had fled Egypt. He didn't have a mission in hand, but God changed that and God used him. Now, I want to bring in some important theology here about God. And where it says that God made known his ways to God. You know, God also made known himself in deeper measure to Moses and to many other people. But see, God himself in his nature is infinite How can something or someone who is finite know the infinite? It is practically impossible. It is totally impossible for something or someone small and finite to know the infinite God. And so God is virtually unknowable. He is ineffable, as the theologians say. That means he's unexplainable. I don't know about you, but my brain sort of breaks a circuit breaker when I think about a number as big as a trillion. And yet God measures the universe by the trillions of miles. (laughs) That's how awesome he is. And so by definition, God is unknowable. And there is no way that we could ever know God based on our human senses, human knowledge, human ability. It is impossible unless God makes himself known to us in a knowable fashion. And in fact, he does. And dear friend, that touches me so deeply to think that this infinite, unknowable, ineffable God condescends to me to you, to make himself known. Not just to know about, but a personal knowing of relationship. And see, God did that with his servant, Moses. Remember the story of Moses? Well, we'll get back to that in a moment. I'm running a little bit ahead of of, of things, but God made known his ways to Moses. In Exodus chapter 3, Moses is out tending sheep in the back Midian desert, by the way, in the shadow of a mount called Horeb, otherwise known as Mount Sinai. And there he sees this bush on fire, and yet the bush is not consumed. And so he draws closer, and God speaks to his servant Moses and says, Moses, take off your sandals, for this ground is holy ground. And there the infinite, unknowable, Ineffable God makes himself known to man and he reveals his name. Jehovah literally means I am. And that name I am, that name of God that was revealed to his servant Moses reflects the fact that God was making himself personally known to Moses and his people Israel. By revealing his nature, one of the aspects of his divine nature, specifically, this is what theologians refer to as the aseity of God. Now, I love the aseity of God. It refers to the fact that that God is the source. He is the beginning and the end. Jesus says in the Revelation chapter one, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. All that is good comes from God. But God derives no good from anyone else. He is the source of all that is good. And he is not dependent upon anyone else. He is God. If he depended upon me or you, he would no longer be God. God himself is. You or I exist because God is. He created us. God is uncreated He is the creator that refers to his aseity. And when God said literally to Moses in Exodus three, I am that I am, his name Jehovah is I am. And he was revealing how he is the fulfillment and satisfaction of all of our needs. Perhaps you've heard of the Jehovah names of God. These are compound Hebrew words, like for instance, Jehovah Shalom, what does Jehovah literally mean? I am, right? We just talked about it. Shalom is the Hebrew word for peace. So put the words together. Jehovah Shalom means God is saying to us, I am peace. He, he is Jehovah Shama. That means Jehovah means I am. Shama means present with you. God says, I am present with you. He is Jehovah Sidkanu. Jehovah means I am. kedu means righteousness. Where does righteousness come from? God Himself is righteousness. If you have him, you have righteousness. God is Jehovah Mekedish. Literally um, I am sanctification or I am holiness. Holiness is not a process. Holiness is not something you do. Holiness is something that God is. And if you have him, you have perfect holiness. God reveals himself as Jehovah Rapha. I am healing. You need healing? God himself is the healer. How about Jehovah Jireh? Jehovah I am. Jireh means provision god himself is provision and there are others i don't have time to get into it but you get the idea god himself reveals himself as the one who is and is the provision and moses there is in the in the desert and the lord commissions him to go back to egypt to confront the strongest king on earth and deliver a nation of some two million people out (laughs) pretty tough and That's where Moses says, Lord, who shall I say sent me? And that's where the Lord revealed his name, his covenantal name, Jehovah, I am. He said, Moses, I am, which means I am all you need. And God makes himself known now to us by his son. In Hebrews chapter 1 Verses one and two, it says this, God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his son. Now, that is powerful. That God speaks means that God desires to make himself known to us. That God speaks, demonstrates that he desires relationship with us. And we are swept up in the greatest adventure of all, knowing him personally. Think about it. The God of the universe and universes beyond. Knowing him, not knowing about him, but knowing him personally. I think about Paul the apostle. You remember his life before he was born again he was a pharisee a pharisee a pharisee it was a life of religiosity and extreme moralism but it was a life that was empty not knowing god personally and then paul had who was known as saul at that point in his life uh, had an encounter with the living god on the road to emmaus i'm sorry the damascus road and you know the story It was a powerful encounter with the living God and he believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, the one that he was persecuting and he was born again and his life was so radically changed. And he recounts this in many points in the scripture, but I want to look at Psalm or rather Philippians chapter three, verses eight through 11. And again, we're thinking about the blessing of personally knowing God. This is what Paul wrote, inspired of the Holy Spirit. Philippians 3, beginning in verse 8. Yet indeed, I also count all things. That's that prior life of religiosity and and moralism. Loss for the excellence of the knowledge. And again, that, that knowledge means not just know about, but a personal firsthand knowing of Christ. Jesus, my Lord for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness, which is from God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed, to his death if by any means i may attain to the resurrection from the dead again that's in um, uh, philippians chapter 3 verses 8 through 11 powerful stuff when the man known as saul who became paul encountered the living christ on the road to damascus it radically changed his life into the riches the blessing of knowing god and this happened not as the result of Paul seeking God or trying to figure out God. No, it, it happened as the result of God seeking Paul, saving him, regenerating him, and God making himself known to Paul. Just like God made known himself and his ways to his servant Moses, as it says in Psalm 103, verse seven, and his acts to the children of Israel. God made himself known by what he did for Moses and for that nation of Israel. Think about what God did in terms of preserving Moses' life as a baby. Uh, And I don't have any time to get into it, but uh, remember there was... um, a death edict that was out for the children of Israel that they would be executed and his life was spared. Um, God preserved Moses' life even growing up in the household of a pagan king. God preserved his servant Moses' life when he escaped Egypt. And then God delivered Israel from the ruthless slavery of the most powerful king on earth. What an amazing thing. He led them, he delivered them through, uh, out of Egypt, through the Red Sea, and then God led them supernaturally through the desert with a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire at night. And here they are, a nation of some two million people in a desert. How much food is out in a desert? Mm, Hardly any, certainly not enough for two million people. How much water (laughs) is out in the desert? Not nearly enough for 2 million people. And don't forget all those camels. Camels can drink gallons and gallons of water in one sitting. God supernaturally provided food and water that gushed out of, the wa- out of the rock. Now, I don't know what kind of picture you have about the water coming out of a rock. Maybe you think it's like a cute little fountain, you know, that sort of spurts out. No. I mean, think about something that is gushing so much water out, it can water millions of people and all of their camels and all of their livestock. That's pretty amazing. God did that supernaturally. And then he led them to the promised land and through the promised land. God made himself known to his people through his acts. In Exodus chapter 34, verse six, we read this. And this is a great personal revelation that God gave to his servant, Moses. To me, I think about what God did at the burning bush in revealing his name and commissioning his servant, Moses, in Exodus chapter three. And then his servant said, I wanna know you, Lord. I wanna know you personally. I want to know you better. And and God hid him in the rock and passed by. And it says in Exodus chapter 34, verse 6, And the Lord Jehovah, I am, passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord Jehovah, I am, the Lord Jehovah, I am, God, merciful and gracious and long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth. At that core revelation that God did for his servants When his servant said, I want to know you, Lord, in a deeper way. You know, at that point, Moses understood that God was knowable because God makes himself known. And God graciously did that. And look at this. God says, he is merciful. You know, innocent people don't need mercy. Guilty people need mercy. Whenever you see the word mercy in the Bible, I want you to realize that that is tied to guilty people. People who don't deserve good, but deserve to be punished. Mercy intervenes and spares them. First thing out of the mouth of God to his servant as he's passing by in the blaze of his glory and revealing the wonder of his glory. When his servant said, show me thy glory, God says, he is merciful, mm, that is so powerful and gracious. Have you ever been around a person who it just seems like they're constantly criticizing, gossiping, Ah, you just don't want to be around them, But what about a person who's gracious, even if you fail, even if you make a mistake, they value relationship with you above nitpicking about the wrong that you may have committed? God is gracious. And I can't help but to think in the New Testament, this concept is amplified so much with the concept of God's grace. Grace is God, it's the gift from the heart of Father God in totally loving us, totally accepting us, and totally blessing us, not because we are so good and earned it, but because God is that good and gives it. That's the grace of God. God is gracious. And then it says that he, God said in that blaze of glory, that he is long-suffering. Do you know what long-suffering means? It means someone who is dealing with a situation that is very negative against them, and they're patient and they're tolerant. They could justly, you know, reach out and and, and do something to make wrong the right, and make right the wrong. But God is long-suffering; He's patient. I'm so glad that's the case with God, because none of us would stand a chance. And then it says that God is abounding, abounding, overflowing abundantly in goodness and truth. God is not a little bit good. He is infinitely good. That's where his heart of blessing comes from, his abundant goodness. And God is abounding in truth. I think of what it says in Deuteronomy. Or rather, Numbers chapter 23, verse 19, God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. Has he said and will he not do? Or has he spoken and will he not make it good? God abounds in truth. We can count on him. We are in the midst of an election year, a presidential election year, as I'm recording this podcast here in America, and you're hearing so many claims, and you're always wondering, are they telling the truth? God is not a politician who will tell you what you want to hear and then turn around and not even begin to do it and probably do the exact opposite. No, God abounds in truth. And we can bank our life on it. We can count on his integrity. So there's that wonderful revelation of the Lord himself in Exodus chapter 34, verse six, to his servant Moses who said, show me thy glory. And the Lord proclaimed, the Lord Jehovah I am, the Lord Jehovah I am God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness in truth god is the one who gives us the blessing and the wonder and the adventure of personally knowing him let's pray dear father again we lean hard upon you and your spirit that brings light and understanding that overcomes our human frailty and weakness so that we can see in your light, we see light. And Father, thank you. Thank you for the word of God. Thank you for the Bible. Here, just three verses, Lord, connecting to so many all across the Bible that speak of who you are, Lord. Father, I am so grateful that you are a God who truly satisfies us that we don't have to go through life deprived. We don't have to go through life not experiencing good. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. In your household, we we enjoy abundance. And Lord, Help us not to shrink back from that. Help us not to get caught up with the siren song of the world that says that God wants to deprive us and this is the good thing to do and it's all empty. It doesn't bring any satisfaction, but only bondage. Thank you, Lord. You bless us with satisfaction. And Father, I thank you so much. When we are oppressed, you are the God who brings justice and righteousness. Father, I want to specifically pray for my brothers and sisters in countries and places where they are stripped of their basic human dignity and freedom. Lord, we pray for your justice and righteousness to be released so that they can enjoy freedom. Lord, thank you that no matter the circumstance, they live in the presence of the one who brings true freedom. And Father, I thank you that you are knowable, that you make yourself known to us. You engage us in personal relationship because you're that good. And Lord, I just want to echo the the desire of what's written in Philippians chapter 3, where Paul the Apostle says, I want to know him. I want to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Lord, we want to know you in deeper measure. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness. Thank you for revealing so much through the scripture. Thank you for revealing so much through your spirit. And Lord, we trust you to help us to make you known to others. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, you have been listening to the Daily in Christ podcast. This is a worldwide ministry that shares the good news of the God of all grace. We share the gospel of grace. And right now we're in this series called A Blessed Beyond Imagination. And speaking of telling it, would you do a great favor and tell others about the quality of grace-based Bible teaching that is found in the Daily in Christ podcast. We offer this without charge to people around the world. And if you appreciate what we're doing, uh, stop by our website for more information. Uh, We would love to hear from you. Let us know how Daily in Christ has impacted your life, has helped you see God clearer in a deeper way of knowing Him. Now this is Mark Van Oos. Until next time, always remember, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in Him.